welcome to the Byte Rabbit podcast, where we talk about WebXR, that's VR and AR on the web. My name is Jonathan, one of the founders of Byte Rabbit. Hi, my name is Florian, I'm the other founder of Byte Rabbit and a WebXR game developer. And my name is Darius, intern and WebXR developer at Byte Rabbit. Hi guys and welcome to part three of our conversation about optimization. We just continue where we left off. All right, when we're already at talking about textures, we can also talk about the sizes of textures. So another optimization that uh, we did in Darius' latest game was reducing the texture size. So Darius, tell us about that. So besides the number of tool um, specification, which is important, um, it's good to have small size textures because uh, the bigger your resources are, the longer the side loads. It's that simple. And therefore we, we used online tools like PNG Crunch or TinyBNG to reduce our PNGs. Yeah. And besides, so you also have to know when you use JPEG or PNG, but Johnny will tell you more about that. So JPEG usually works well for photos which have a lot of different colored pixels versus PNG because of the way how it stores pixels with run length encoding and whatnot. You benefit from big single colored areas, which means if you have a comic texture, then you would be able to encode all of the same pixels down to very, very little amounts of memory, which means PNG really, really works well if you have things that you authored in Paint, for example, but uh, or in like a vector tool like Inkscape or Adobe Illustrator or something, versus if it's a photo texture, then JPEG will work way better. Another option is to use basis. Uh, we mentioned that in, I think, two episodes ago or three episodes ago, where basis is basically JPEG, but also compressed on the GPU. So it's a way of having a small file, but also uploading exactly or almost exactly the same data to the GPU and then saving memory in the GPU rather than expanding the image when loading it, which you would have to do for JPEG, and then just uploading the raw pixels to the GPU which both JPEG and PNG would have to do, by the way. So I have a question on that is obviously for uh, transparency, if you want transparency on your texture, you would use a PNG instead of a JPEG because JPEG doesn't support transparency, right? Does basis support transparency? Yes, basis supports transparency. All right, so that's great. That solves the question. Yeah, basis supports basically any format. So if you want a, a grayscale image, you can use a grayscale image pretty easily. You can use RGB textures, you can use RG textures. So if you only have two channels, which for example, normal maps, by the way, are often encoded in uh, this kind of like two channel images and yeah. Okay, so we have another optimization that we want to talk about today and that's post-processing. Yeah, so post-processing is usually used for making your image look way better. And one thing, for example, is motion blur that people use a lot in classic rendering to make objects appear faster or like somehow speed through everything. But it makes things look very, very blurry in virtual reality, except if applied correctly and only to the animating objects. But often uh, motion blur is used as a complete effect, a complete post-processing effect on the entire screen, which if you rotate your head, blurs everything and that makes you feel like you're drunk or something and uh, gives you like a less 
less snappy feel of like this low latency picture reacting to your head kind of thing. So just avoid motion blur in general, except if you do motion blur on exactly one animating object, that might still look really, really cool. And uh, camera depth of field uh, is basically done by your eyes more or less anyway. Yeah, you don't need depth of field. And yeah, so you can save a lot of performance by just avoiding those. Uh, screen space ambient occlusion might be interesting still to do, but as you know, frame rate is more important than looks. And if you want to enable anything for graphical fidelity, then use anti-aliasing. You can also use other stuff like a vignette or a bloom or something like that that enhances the image. But just be aware that anything you do costs performance. So even on the screen and just be aware of all the things you've put in your application before you launch it to see if it works on all platforms you're intending to deploy to. Yeah, always assume you are enabling a graphical feature or a graphical rendering feature at cost of something else and think about what that something else would be in your application. For example, reduce the amount of objects in the scene, batch more things together, reduce the amount of texture resolution in your scene, stuff like that. So then we come to one of my suggestions and that would be object pooling, what you can do simply. So Darius, you've also used object pooling in your project. What, explain to us real quick what object pooling exactly is, please. So object pooling is for example if you reuse objects, they are used multiple times in your application. Um, you better use object pooling because you don't want to depend on the garbage collector which uses much more performance. So and especially it comes at moments when you don't expect it. Example, you almost finished rendering a frame and then the garbage collector kicks in and says, hey, let me do a couple of milliseconds of my work here. Like you can continue after and then you miss the frame and then you delivered it too late, which gives you a hitch because the headset now has to display the old frame instead of uh, displaying the new frame, which you basically had done completely. So garbage collection can mess up your performance a bit there. Yeah, and you need pooling for things like bullets that you use multiple times that you don't just necessarily want to destroy and reinstantiate. So you instantiate it at the beginning and then you can just basically when you don't need them, just move them away and then you move them back in when you need them. Exactly. Object pooling allows you to put your memory allocations in the beginning of your application rather than allocating during the runtime of your application, which is also a great thing. Not just the garbage collection, but also memory allocations in general. And then we have a final topic of animations. So when you have an animation exported from Blender, most likely a skeletal animation. So an animation where you use a lot of keyframes there's the option of sampling them. So what you do is you set linear interpolation between any of the keyframes and these keyframes are then set into positions and your mesh basically moves into those positions that you sample. So you say, okay, each tenth of a millisecond or each millisecond just generate one keyframe for me in my animation and just do display those in the engine. Uh, you might not wanna do that because if you do that, your file size gets bigger. Yeah, because especially with your example of sampling every millisecond, you would have a thousand frames per second. And that is a little overkill compared to the 75 frames per second that you're displaying on the Oculus Quest, for example. I was giving it like a very... Very extreme example, yeah. Yeah, so if you sample the animation at 124th per second, which is like the threshold of when people recognize an animation as like a continuous flow of movement rather than like a stop motion kind of thing, which would, for example, be a tenth of a second or something, then you can reduce your file size greatly. 
especially since you're still doing linear interpolation between the frames, right? Constant interpolation would be it just jumps, for example, have a ball and in the next frame, it jumps to the next frame. But with linear interpolation, it means that if you are between these frames, for example, you're in second zero and then second one, but you have two keyframes, one at second zero and one at second two, then that means you take half of the first and half of the second keyframe, which means that your ball still moves kind of like smoothly rather than jumping from one position to another. Yeah, so check it out. And if you have any questions on this, make sure to hit us up on Twitter at Squareys and at CheeseyVR or VR. And you can also join our Wonderland Engine Discord. Invitation link will be in the description. And yeah, thanks for listening to today's podcast.